0: All right, well, it's great to be with you this morning. Thanks for being here a little bit early, and I'm excited to get to be in this class for the first time. I have not been in here. I did listen to the first Sunday school lesson. I was supposed to listen to the other two, but things happened. So if I if I repeat something that happened before, Just think of it as a teaching tool, you know, just to to remember the things that have already been taught. I apologize in advance. Um, But I am excited to be here with you and to talk about the Ten Commandments. We're going to continue uh, talking about the Ten Commandments. So today we're getting to the Third Commandment, but I will start with a little bit of a uh, sort of a little bit of a, a recap and a summary of the commandments because we've done the first two commandments before. It should be related to that and hopefully Um, will offer uh, another, shine a light from a different kind of direction to see what the commandments are and what they are for. But before that, I do know that we have been praying psalms together as we start, so I'd like to do that. If you grab your hymnal and go to page 786, I'd like to pray Psalm 8 together, which begins with a declaration of praise for the name of the Lord. And we're going to be talking about the name of the Lord a lot today um, as it relates to the third commandment. Well, let's pray Psalm 8 together. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. From the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, you made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with honor and glory. All flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Oh, Lord, our Lord. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, thank you for this morning and the mercy that comes with it. We invite you into this place um, that our reflection and meditation together on your commands would draw us deeper into a life of love with you and with one another. And we ask it in the name of Jesus, who was and is the Christ and reigns with you, O Father, and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Y'all come and have a seat. So to begin and to try and talk, summarize a little bit of what's gone before uh, in the first two commandments and what the commandments are about, but to bring it into the New Testament and hopefully into our lives, I want to begin with the rich young ruler. Have we talked about the rich young ruler yet? No? We haven't done that? All right. So if you'll go to um, Luke chapter 18 really fast, starting in verse 18, Um, you may be familiar with the story of the rich young ruler, uh, specifically the part where he doesn't give up all his money. That he's supposed to give up. Um, but you may not have thought about, or it may not occur to you, that the Ten Commandments play uh, a very important role in this story. So that's why we're beginning with it. In Luke 18, starting in verse 18. And a ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments do not commit adultery. Do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And he said, all these I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. So I really like this story as it relates to the Ten Commandments and I like it because I think it helps us to begin as this goes down. Um, helps us to begin to see what the commandments are and what they are for. So what's interesting about that is we know we've talked about uh, and talked about the three uses of the law, right? That part of the Ten Commandments is to understand our sin against God, that God is righteous, and we can't meet up these commandments. Uh, And part of it has to do with um, our civil life together and the way that we ought to conduct ourselves with one another and in worship. Uh, and then, of course, how we are to conduct our lives. Um, But Jesus doesn't talk about any of these things when the rich young ruler says to him, well, I've kept all the commandments. Jesus doesn't say to him, oh, sir, you are totally misunderstanding what these commandments are about. You couldn't have possibly have kept all the commandments since your youth. He doesn't say that. Or he doesn't talk about what it means for this rich young ruler to be a citizen. He doesn't say, well, I mean, obviously that can't be true, because look at all the stuff that's going on around us. Have you done these things for your neighbor? No. The context that Jesus puts the commandments into is following him. And I think this is really important to understand the Ten Commandments, because it can be, I think this story is not unique just to one person. I think there's a real sense in which this is just part of our whole life together, that when we think of the commandments and we think about murdering and we think about lying and we think about Sabbath-keeping and we think about um, all those sorts of things, we, we sort of can think to ourselves, like, I, I'm pretty good at this. Like, I, I, I do this. Like, I know I have, a, I have a moral compass. I have a sense of morality. I have a sense of guilt when I don't obey those laws. I work hard to try and be a good citizen. Um, And I know what these commandments are. And there certainly are important parts of the Ten Commandments that have to do with knowing them and understanding what they mean. There are important parts of the Ten Commandments that are related to morality. There's a reason why we call it the moral law. Um, But to only or fundamentally understand the commandments in that way, I think, is a reduction that ultimately the 10 Commandments are a call from God to come and follow him, to live a life with and for God. And that is the context of the 10 Commandments, uh, that we belong, that, that God is our God and we are his people, and he has called us into a life of holiness with him, and there are a lot of ways upon which to do that, but the, the shape that lo- that life takes is going to be grounded um, in the person of God himself. And so that is part of the reason how we can begin to summarize the commandments in terms of love, because love is indicative of that relationship, and it is indicative um, of a life that we live together, which means that, basically, The purpose of the Ten Commandments is discipleship, fundamentally. Um, It is about learning how to live with and for God and to do so together as a people. And that, of course, includes our life together. It includes uh, a certain kind of goodness, but it is not fundamentally about goodness as much as it is about holiness. And this can become complicated in some ways Um, Jesus shows us that, of course, that um, when Jesus was walking around on the earth, people didn't think that he was following the Ten Commandments, which is an interesting thing. That Jesus is walking around and uh, the Pharisees are talking to him about disobeying the Sabbath. That Jesus' presence and his call... To, to forgive sins and to make himself equal with God is a violation of the first and the second commandment, according to the Pharisees and the rabbis and pretty much anybody that would have thought a lot about this kind of stuff. And we understand this, too. While we know that um, many of you, you know, none of us here are murderers, um, that murder can become kind of a complicated thing once we start talking about war or once we start talking about self-defense. Um, Lying certainly can become more of a difficult thing. We know, hey, I'm not supposed to lie, Um, but then we hear stories about things that happen during war when other people are um, giving refuge to those that are being oppressed and that are going to be killed, and then they lie to them, and then you ask yourself a question. Okay, well, you know, are they sinning when they're doing that? Are they supposed to do that? Are they not supposed to do that? Um, That there is as part of this, as part of discipleship, of part of this life with God, a certain kind of wisdom that is involved in this. That this is not the sort of situation where we get these rules and they are so timeless um, that in every situation we can just say, well, we're always going to do this thing because it isn't just that simple. And, uh, or the kind of thing where um, we can easily rationalize why we're doing something. You know, we can easily rationalize why we're going to lie to somebody because we're saving the life of more people. That's not really part of the context of what the Exodus or what the scriptures are saying. The scriptures aren't saying, well, you can break the commandments as long as it does the best good for the most amount of people. Um, They're saying you, you follow the commandments as an act of living and walking with God. And that's how that Works And so hopefully that is met as a little bit of a challenge um, to know that this isn't an exercise in us kind of um, understanding how we're already basically following most of the commandments. that so we're doing most of the things that we need to be doing and a, a reminder of that, but also a freedom that what we're doing here, um, there really is a lot to it, that this story um, of the law is is fundamental to the Christian story, that this is the old covenant and that the promises of God, the covenants of God are foundational to our life with God and what it means to be the people of God and how to live that life with God. And we can, uh, we have the freedom to try and paint a full picture and description of what those things are and what they look like. Does that make sense? Does anybody have questions about that? All right, well, let's turn now to the third commandment. It's at the top of your um, sheet here. The third commandment is this. It says, You shall not take the, the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And this is the same in the Exodus account, in Exodus 20, as it is um, in the account in Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy 5. And you'll notice here uh, in the third commandment that there is a sanction, that this is different than certainly the second part of the Ten Commandments, where it's just, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery. Um, That It says, you shall not take the Lord your name in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And we're not actually going to talk a ton about this sanction, but I do want to mention it up front and um, show a little bit of what it does. The first thing that it does, you'll see that it repeats the heart of the commandment, taking his name in vain or taking the Lord's name in vain. And As many of you may be familiar with that that kind of repetition um, is meant to stand out to you. It's meant to, to show that this is really important, basically, and to see that. But it also connects this commandment. Um, to the commandments that surround it, um, that there are, there's more to talk about in the first and second and third and fourth commandments than just one line. And we see the third commandment as part of this whole, the 10 commandments as a whole, but also the first certainly connected to the first four commandments, the first three commandments. And this is seen in um, explicitly in this part of Deuteronomy 6 which comes right after um, the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy 5 it says stated positively it is the Lord your God you shall fear the first commandment him you shall serve the second commandment and by his name you shall swear the third commandment and I know that this was mentioned that this was on a previous sheet um, a, a quote from John frame talking about how all these commandments are related to worship and um, but I want also to see how that relation isn't just linear, um, that they're separate from one another, even though they're part of the same category, but actually that they inform each other, that they're complementary of one another, um, that they, are, they have a reciprocal relationship with each other. And we'll see a little bit of that this morning. There is in this commandment um, some questions about translation. So anybody that really wanted to do some Hebrew this morning, um, it's your lucky day. We're going to do some a little bit. <laughs> so there is discussion. Um, discussion is probably a good word. People just are trying to figure out. It, it's difficult to figure out exactly um, what is meant by taking up the Lord's name and the vanity that is required. Um, and specifically that to take this Hebrew word nasa does not primarily mean to speak necessarily. Um, it means to carry or to bear. It's the same word oh, that we use when we're talking about bearing uh, sins that the scapegoat, the, that the, the sacrifices are bearing the sins of the world um, or taking them up. And so you'll see more broadly that other translations, the NRV and the New Living and the NRSV. The NRSV um, is a translation that comes from kind of the same family as the ESV, so the same principles are being used in that translation. Um, but even in the message, are using uh, use the translate this as use of using the name in a specific kind of way. And what I what I want to be able to to for you to see is that it isn't just limited to speech. So that this commandment, as far as I understand it, is mostly associated with swearing um, or like bathroom humor or oh my God, or something like that, that that's the kind of thing that this refers to. And it does refer to that in an important way, um, but that speech is a part of our life in an important way, Um, that we are making actions when we are speaking, that our speaking is related to blessings and promises and curses and things that we do towards one another um, that becomes part of our whole life. Um, and so there's, there's a real sense in which the, the third commandment is about using the name of God in a specific way. That, And we saw this with the Ark of the Covenant, that when people try to take God and commodify him and use him for their own advantages or use him for, to, over and against other people, that God doesn't like that. That that's not something that God's name is for. And it is a, it is a thing that people use God's name for all the time. Um, but you may not do so explicitly. It doesn't necessarily have to do with propositions. You don't just have to lie about it. And this is the second part. That to use the Lord's name in vain, um, Lashav, is not just to do so falsely, but also uselessly or frivolously without regard or purpose or worth." So this is not, this word of vanity is not the same word that gets translated in Ecclesiastes, vanity of vanities, but they are synonymous, roughly synonymous with one another. There's a different thing being evoked in Ecclesiastes but that sense of worthlessness or emptiness that that may be a part of that whole thing because the smoke just goes away is part of using the Lord's name in vain, which means that you don't just use the Lord's name in vain by lying about God or being deceptive in a propositional way. You can say true things. You can say God wants to bless you but then use it in the context and say, God wants to bless you, so give your money to the church in this way. And that would be taking the Lord's name in vain in a certain kind of way. That um, that's part of the, what we might accuse uh, or question in something like the prosperity gospel, that it is using the name of God in a way that God's name ought not to be used, um, that it's commodifying in a specific way, but that there are ways in which the name of God is and are supposed to be used. In fact, the giving of the name of God in the scriptural story is really, really, really important. It's really important in the Exodus, but as we see in Psalm 8, it's really important to our life with God um, and that the name of God, the the use of the name of God is part of our worship and our adoration in a really important way. The other thing it can mean uh, is <coughs> to give credit to someone else that is not God. Um, so presumably we could give that to ourself. Um, but when God is doing something and we either give it credit to another kind of God or to ourself in a certain way, that would be the flip side of using um, God's name. Uh, For our own kind of purposes. And so you can see this on the back of your page here um, is the larger catechism. I gave that to you so that you could um, look at it and see it, Um, but you can see in the sins that are forbidden in the third commandment, um, not the not using of God's name as is required, the abuse of it in an ignorant vein, irreverent, profane, superstitious, or wicked mentioning, or otherwise using his titles, attributes, ordinances, or works, by blasphemy, perjury, all sinful cursings, oaths, vows, and lots violation of our oaths and vows, if lawful in fulfilling them, if of things unlawful, murmuring and quarreling at, yada, 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 yada. Um, But there's a lot involved with the use, or more appropriately, the misuse of God's name. Does anybody have any questions about that or about translation? Translation can be tricky sometimes. Um, I don't want to communicate to you that you have to have some sort of secret knowledge of something in order to understand the third commandment. Yes. Yes. Yes, and this is important in understanding. That's part of the context of the Ten Commandments as discipleship. Um, But it's also something that we'll talk about. um, The name and what you're talking about in honoring the name. Uh, A common way that we might use it in a non-religious context is the name that you have, the last name that you carry. Um, That a name has been given to you, uh, and that that name means something to you. It means something about who your parents and your grandparents uh, are or were and what they were about and that imposes itself on you in a very specific sort of way and some of us may feel that more keenly than others but still um, feel it or feel the loss of that in other ways Um, when that name that's given to us may not be so good when that name is mud as the idiom goes right Um, uh, you familiar with this idiom the guy that helped john wilkes booth okay um (coughs) that, that that is exactly very much part of what is going on. And that's the heart of the commandment here is the honoring of the name of God and that the people of God receive that name in a very poignant and specific kind of way. And that's what we're going to talk about. Yes.